0: He wrote 1 John to tell us how to have fellowship with God. And he tells us that from the outset in chapter 1 and verse 3. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you something. You can have a relationship with God and still be miserable because you're out of fellowship. Some people are married and they're miserable. Their problem is not that they don't have a relationship. Their problem is that they're not enjoying fellowship. You say, well, how do I have fellowship with God? Well, John's going to answer that in our passage this morning, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. And he's going to make one thing very clear here. If you're going to have fellowship with God, you're going to have to have fellowship on His terms. You don't have fellowship with God on your terms. You know, everybody today wants to tell you what God is like. Let me tell you something. God is not interested in your puny pea-brain definition of his infinite character. People today say, I don't think God would do that. Well, how do you know? See, the only way you would know what God would do is if he told you. And there's only one place that He told you, and that's in His Word. And John says in verse 5, And this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you. This is the message. Now, if your message doesn't square with this message, then you need to change messages. And what is the message? This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He says it positively, God is light. And then in case you didn't get it, he says it negatively, in him there is no darkness at all. Now in the Greek there's a double negative there. There is no, not any darkness darkness. There is not one molecule of darkness in God. He is total absolute light. Now, one of our problems as Christians is that we want a relative God in whom is some darkness. My wife and I have a difference when it comes to cleaning. I clean relatively she cleans absolutely. I wash the van and she says, Why didn't you do the windows? And I say, I did the windows. I clean the kitchen. She finds a little smudge mark in the corner that the angels wouldn't see. You see, we have a difference in our standard of what is clean. And that's the way it is with God God is light. I like the way James 117 puts it, "With God, there is no shifting shadow. There is no dusk with God. There are no shady areas with God. There is no haze with God. It's 12 o'clock noon all the time with God, and there are no cloudy skies. God is light." Now the question is, what does that mean? You remember what the first thing God did was when he created the universe? He said, let there be light. The first thing God did was to create something that demonstrated his character. You see, the sun is an illustration to us of what God is like. A sort of miniature self-perpetuating Shekinah glory that never burns out and never burns up. When God made the sun, he was letting us know in a fiery ball what he is like. God is light. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21 that in the new Jerusalem we will have no need of the sun because the glory of God will illuminate. it And its lamp will be the Lamb. God is light. Now, what does light do? Well, let's mention some things. Number one, light reveals. Now, how do you know that the sun has risen? Well, you don't have to know that the sun has risen or you don't determine that it's risen by going outside and looking up at the sun. There are rare days when you actually look up at the sun. The reason you know that the sun has risen is that the sun makes things visible to you because light reveals. I've put on a pair of socks in the morning in the dim light of my room only to find out later in the day that they don't match. And how do I determine that? Because light reveals. When the doctor wants to see the negatives of your x-ray, what does he do? He holds it up to the light because light reveals. I have a friend in Florida. His favorite pastime is skin diving. He told me that when you go down to the bottom of the ocean, everything is dark. Everything is in black and white because the light doesn't penetrate that far down. But he said when we turn on our flash bulbs on the vegetation and the fish, suddenly we see all these vivid colors that we didn't see before. Why? Because light reveals. And that's what God does. He opens our eyes so that we can see what is really there. He opens our eyes so that we can see who God really is so that we can see what this world really is so that we can see what sin really is so that we can see what we really are god is light and light reveals that's why jesus said in john 8:12 i am the light of the world he is the one who came to reveal who god is and who we are secondly light measures Before a good carpenter puts up a board, what does he do? He sights it to see if it's straight. You know how he can tell if a board is straight? Because that beam of light from the end of the board to his eye is straight. And if the board doesn't conform to that straight beam of light, then it's crooked. Surveyors use light to determine distances and angles and elevations. Astronomers measure distance in space by the speed of light. Light measures. And that's what God does. God is the ultimate point of reference. You measure everything else in relation to God. And if you don't correspond, you're crooked. And then the third thing that light does is that light energizes. How do plants grow? by photosynthesis. Light causes growth. And just as a plant grows in the light of the sun, we grow in the light of God. In his light, we experience life and vitality and productivity. So when John here says God is light, he is telling us that God reveals reality. God gives us a reference point by which to measure that which is true and that which is false. And God is the one who fulfills and energizes and vitalizes us. You say, well, if God is light and we all have a relationship with Him, then why aren't all Christians transparent and real? Why aren't all Christians understanding where they don't measure up? Why aren't all Christians growing and vibrant and alive? You know, it always amazes me when I go to the beach. I go to the beach to be in the sun. But when you get to the beach, they rent these umbrellas. And everybody wants to rent one. Why? So they can be in the sun, but shield themselves from the sun. See, I think as Christians, God is light. We as Christians a lot of times put up umbrellas to shield ourselves from the light of God. And so we're sort of in the light, but we're not experiencing the benefit of that light because we're under an umbrella. Now, what are the umbrellas that we put up? Well, John mentions three of them in this passage, and they all relate to how we deal with sin. Umbrella number one, we hide sin. Umbrella number two, we deny sin. And umbrella number three, we excuse sin. And all three cause us to miss out on fellowship with God. Each one begins with the same phrase. Verse 6, if we say. Verse 8, if we say. Verse 10, if we say. You see, we find shelter from the light of God under a false profession. Umbrella number one, we hide sin. Verse six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what is John's point? Fellowship with God is not based on what you say. Fellowship with God is based on where you walk. You can come to church talking about how wonderful God is. You can come to church talking about the relationship that you enjoy with God, but John says if you're talking that but not walking that, you lie. John says it doesn't matter how loud you shout amen, you lie. Doesn't matter how good you feel, you lie. Doesn't matter how the sermon hits you, you lie. Because the test of fellowship is not conversation. It's lifestyle. That's what the word walk means. It means your moment by moment, step-by-step step, progression through life. A lot of people are long on lip and short on life. A lot of people can quote the Bible by the yard and they live by the inch. John says, if we say. we have a lot of talkers today. Praise the Lord, sweet Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? But John says, if you want to check a man, check his feet, not just his lips. Pharisees had a lot of wonderful words. They could quote the Old Testament Scriptures, but their feet were crooked. In fact, Jesus had to say to his disciples in Matthew 23, 3, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Then he gives us, in verse 7, the antithesis. But, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. And what kind of light is God in? Well, he told us in verse 5, it's a no-darkness kind of light. John says, fellowship occurs when you and I walk in the light. Now, what does it mean to walk in the light? Does walking in the light mean that you walk in perfection? Well, if so, it's going to be a pretty small circle of fellowship. We're not going to need a fellowship hall if the condition for fellowship with God is that I have to be perfect. See, that's not what John is saying here, and that's evident from verse 7 because it says, if we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, when you walk in the light, you're still sinning because you have to have your sins cleansed. And he makes that even more clear in verse 8, where he says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You see, the issue of walking in the light is not an issue of whether we sin or not. That's a given. We're going to sin. The issue of walking in the light is what we do with our sin. You see, when we walk in the light and we sin, We hold that sin up for God's light to reveal. When we walk in the darkness and we sin, we hide that sin. When Adam sinned and rebelled against God, what did he do? He hid in the bushes. And God came down into the garden and he said, Where are you, Adam? Now, God didn't ask that question because he didn't know where Adam was. God knows everything. He asked that question because he wanted to draw Adam out of the bushes into the light. You see, God came down into the garden to have fellowship with Adam. He wasn't going to join Adam in the bushes. When Adam came out of the bushes and admitted his sin, you remember what God did? He shed the blood of animals to cover that sin and fellowship was restored. You see, walking in the light doesn't mean that you walk in sinlessness. It means you walk in honesty. It means when you sin, you come into the presence of God. And walking in darkness means when you sin, you hide in the bushes like Adam. You see, it's human nature to hide when we sin. Jesus said that in John three nineteen. He said, The light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. It's natural for man to run to the dark with his sin. As a Christian, God has brought you into the light, and He wants you to respond properly when you sin, and that is to bring it to Him. I think it's interesting that the first miracle of judgment in the New New Testament happened shortly after the day of Pentecost when Ananias and Sapphira pretended to be something they weren't and they hid their sin and God dealt with that in a very real and public way. Walk in the light. Now, I think something should be rather clear here and that is when you walk in the light you're not going to be going around saying, look how holy I am. When you walk in the light, you're going to be saying, I'm worse than I thought. Isaiah stood out in his day as a man of God among a wayward people in Israel. If he compared himself with those around him, he stood out as a man of God, a godly man, a blameless man. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, I came into the presence of the Lord. And he says, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, I said what? Woe is me. You see, when I come into the presence of the Shekinah glory of God, when I stand in the light of who He is, the only response I can make is woe is me. You see, the light doesn't make you look better. The light makes you look worse. Because when you stand in the light of God, it not only reveals your deeds, it reveals your motives and your intentions and your thoughts. When you're out of fellowship, you hide sin. When you're in fellowship, you admit it. In fact, when you're in fellowship, you want God to show you more of your sin. You respond like David in Psalm 139 when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any hurtful way in me. First umbrella is that we hide sin. Second umbrella is that we deny sin. Look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now I want you to notice there that the word sin is singular. He's talking here about the sin nature. He's talking here about the capacity to sin. He's talking here about the person who says, God's light doesn't reveal anything in me because I'm already perfect. I have no capacity to sin. Listen carefully. If anybody tells you that they have no sin, they are sinning. You see that? John says, if somebody says, I have no sin, he's sinning because John says he is lying. Now, the person in verse 6 lies to others. The person in verse 8 is lying to himself. He's deceiving himself. And the reason is because nobody else is going to believe him. If I went around saying I don't sin, the only person I'm going to fool is me. You see, as a Christian, you still have a sinful flesh. Paul said in Romans 7, 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Your flesh is so sinful, God's not even going to take it to heaven. It's not even salvageable. So there's nobody who can say, I have no sin. I mean, if you could figure somebody could say that, you would say, well, it would probably have to be the Apostle Paul who could say that. But you know, when you look at the Apostle Paul, you see something very interesting. Early in his ministry, he said, I am the least of the apostles. He said, You take the 12 apostles, and I'm the least. In the middle of his ministry, he said, I am the least of all the saints. He said, you take all the Christians in the world and I'm the least. At the end of his ministry, after he had served God for years, he said this, I am the chief of sinners. He said, you take all the sinners in the world and I'm the captain. I'm the chief. Now, why did he say that? Because the more... You walk in the light the more aware you become of your own sinfulness. And why is that? Because light reveals. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with a sin in your life and you're being honest enough to bring it to God, you're walking in the light. If you're here this morning and you're standing in the light of God and you're saying woe is me you're in the light because when you're walking in the light God is revealing what you really are third umbrella is excusing sin verse 10 if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us now, the first umbrella was to hide our sin in the darkness. The second umbrella is when we deny that we have sin. The third umbrella is when we make excuses for our sin. That's when we say, I didn't do it. I didn't sin. What, what I did wasn't really sin. You know, several years ago, the noted psychologist, Dr. Carl Minninger wrote a book entitled, Whatever Became of Sin? And he concluded that we have attempted to rationalize that word right out of our vocabulary. Have you noticed that? Today, we don't like to say, I sinned. We prefer to say, that was a human frailty. That was a bad tendency. That was a poor decision. That's a disease. That's a hereditary fault. That was a blunder. But you see, if you take a bottle of poison and change the label to perfume, still doesn't change the character of what it is. It's always amazing to me how we see sin very clearly in other people, but when we do the same thing, we call it something else. He's prejudiced. I have strong convictions. He's conceited, I just have a lot of self-respect. She's lazy, I'm too busy. She lost her temper, I was just showing righteous indignation. But you see, if you choose to put a nicer label on it, you will never deal with the poison that it really is. We're always looking for excuses. It's my nerves that make me act this way. I'm just tired. I'm under a lot of pressure. It's these neighbors of mine. It's these circumstances. But you see, while that rationalization may sound valid to you, John says when you do that, you are calling God a liar. When you hide sin in verse 6, you're lying to others. When you deny sin in verse 8, you're lying to yourself. And when you excuse sin in verse 10, you're calling God a liar. Now, how are you calling God a liar? Well, because God says that's sin, and you're saying, oh no, God, this is not sin. She made me do it. You see, if... You're saying one thing and God is saying another thing. Somebody's a liar. And if you refuse to back down, you're calling God the liar. Now you tell me what person you can falsely call a liar and still have fellowship with. And if you can't do that with another person, how do you expect to do that with God? John points out three umbrellas that we hide under. We hide sin, we deny sin, we excuse sin. Now the question is, how do we put those umbrellas down? And John tells us in verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the word confess is the Greek word homologos. Homo means the same. Logos means a word, means what we say. This word homologos means to say the same thing. When you confess, what you are doing is you are saying the same thing that God does about your sin. And if you'll notice here, the word sins is plural. He's talking about individual sins. You don't confess in general, you confess specifically. And he calls them sins. Jesus didn't die for mistakes, Jesus didn't die for little white lies, Jesus didn't die for misjudgments. Jesus died for sins, nothing less. So you don't measure yourself against another man and say everybody's doing it because man is in the darkness. You measure yourself against God who is light, and God says that's sin. Now it's important for us to understand this verse. See, I think what a lot of us do is we get to the end of the day and we lay our head on the pillow and we say, God, if I have sinned today, please forgive me. Well, that's not confession. See, if you were walking in the light, that lie you told at 10 a.m., God revealed. That gluttony at noon, God revealed. That lust at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, God revealed. That selfishness at 5.30, God revealed. See, confession is saying the same thing God says about it. It's saying, Lord, when I told my secretary to tell Bob I wasn't in, that was sin. It's pulling to the side of the road and saying, Lord, when I took the second look at that lady on Broadway, that was sin. It wasn't just being a man. It wasn't just being human. It wasn't just being normal. It was an attack on your holiness. It was sin. It's saying, Lord, when I came home from work and sat on the couch while my wife was busy in the kitchen, that was sin. You see, when we walk in the light, we're walking in the light of the Shekinah glory of God. We're not walking in the light of our little pin light. So you see, when you get to the end of the day, you don't lay your head on the pillow and say, if I sinned. You say, thank you, Lord, that when I sinned and I confessed it, you forgave me by your grace. And that way you end your day in victory, not confusion. Why? Because it says here, He is faithful. You confess, He is faithful to forgive. And how many times will He do that? Seventy times, seven times. And not only is He faithful, it says He is righteous or just. God doesn't have to compromise His holiness to forgive your sin. Why not? Well, we saw it back in verse 7. He tells us that He cleanses us with the blood of Jesus. You say, well, what about the sins that I don't confess? Well, that's what He's talking about at the end of this verse. Look at the end of verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you come to God honestly confessing those things that he has revealed, John says he responds by cleansing us from all sin. Even the ones we didn't recognize. Even the ones we ignored. Even the ones we forgot about. That's a beautiful thing. When you come in honesty saying, Here it is, God, here's what you've shown me, this is sin, God not only deals with that sin, He cleanses you from all those other sins that you don't even have the eyes to see yet. I love the story of the prodigal son. The youngest son asked for his inheritance early and then went off into a far country and wasted it on loose living. He finally came to the end of himself in a pig pen. And he decided, I'm going to go back to my father. And he said, I've got two things I'm going to tell my father. Number one, I'm going to tell him I have sinned. And number two, I'm going to ask him if he'll make me one of his hired hands. Two things on his agenda. I have sinned. I want to be one of your hired men. And so he headed back home. And his father was waiting for him. His father was looking for him. And when his father saw him, it tells us he ran to meet him, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned. And you know what? If you read Luke chapter 15, you'll find that he never got to agenda item two. He never got it out. He said, Father, I have sinned. And the father put a robe on his back, put a ring on his finger put sandals on his feet, killed the fatted calf, and they had a party. Why? Because confession restores fellowship. Isn't that good? He comes back, Father, I have sinned, and he's back in fellowship with the Father. You want to have fellowship with God? you got to drop some umbrellas. You've got to drop the umbrella of hypocrisy where you hide your sin. You've got to drop the umbrella of self-righteousness where you deny that you have sin. And you've got to drop the umbrella of rationalization where you excuse your sin. And then you've got to let God's light shine on that sin on you and reveal what you've done and then honestly say to God what God says about it. I have sinned. And you know when you do that, like the prodigal son, you will discover that fellowship with God is far greater than you ever imagined. It's a party. And how do you maintain that kind of fellowship? By honest confession before God. That's what it means to walk in the light. I'm going to have the praise group come back and they're going to lead us in a closing song. And I'm going to make this an invitation for you. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close today. There may be some here today and you have walked in the darkness so long that your eyes have gotten accustomed to it. God is calling you today to come into the light of His glory. And deal with your sin, and let Him forgive your sin, and cleanse you, and bring you into the fellowship that He wants to enjoy with you—the kind of fellowship He created you to have with Him. So, as we close the service today, I'm going to ask you to stand, and as the praise sing uh, team leads us in this song, I'm going to ask you to come as God speaks to your heart. There may be.